0: With your host, Ed
1: Bondarenka, our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical
0: events. America, bless God. Good afternoon and welcome to Your American Heritage, where we talk about the two things you're not supposed to, religion and politics. My name is Ed Bondarenka and I'm your host. The show is produced by Derek Stone, the hardest-working man in radio. If anything goes wrong, blame Derek. But nothing's going to go wrong. This is probably one of the most important interviews I've done. This is a pre-recorded show. So, folks, I had to pre-record this because Pastor Pulowski was going to be one of two things today at this time. He's either preaching the gospel from behind his pulpit, or he's in jail. So either way, he wouldn't have been available for a live interview. We recorded the interview last night, and it's about an hour and 15 minutes, and I don't know what to edit out for this show. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the best I can, and then I'm going to take the entire interview and make it the podcast. So if you want to hear the entire thing, please go to Google Podcasts and search for Your American Heritage and the podcast will pop up. Subscribe. You can also go to Spotify, do the same thing, or go to the whamradio.com page. So here we go. Once again, we're joined by Pastor Arthur Pulowski, the pastor that we saw famously chasing the police out of his church. And we had talked to Pastor Arthur a few weeks ago uh, after that Easter altercation with the police in Calgary in Canada. And uh, we had said we'd like to check back and see how he's doing. So he graciously agreed to talk with us, uh, Pastor Christopher Toma of Our Savior Lutheran Church and Pastor Patrick Steele of Ignite, and maybe eventually Pastor Sean Todd of uh, The Rock and Rev join us too. So I read something distressing today, Pastor Archer, that uh, there was a court order. I, I thought it was a warrant. Would you like to talk about that, please?
2: Yeah, uh, this whole ordeal started 30 months ago, as you know, when the authorities declared that feeding the homeless and preaching the gospel right now is illegal because of the pandemic, that we are uh, supposed to stop taking care of the most vulnerable people, and that if I don't, I will be hammered with the law, which... I disagreed. I said to them that feeding the poor is essential service and giving them necessities of life is must or else they will go somewhere else and they will get what they need. They will whack your head or they will break into your house or in your car, but they will get the food that they need. The government disagreed. We have a homosexual Muslim mayor here, Nahed Nenshi, and he absolutely hates Judeo-Christian values. He hates Christianity and he hates me. And he sends from time to time authorities to chase me down, to harass and intimidate. So he used this new gain power, the COVID power, to issue me a $1,200 COVID ticket. I was the first clergyman in Canada to be hammered with this ticket. And uh, I was threatened with arrest and million dollar ticket. My parishioner was shoved, assaulted by the police. And that's how we were dealing uh, for the rest of the year. The authorities would come, bylaw officers, peace officers, police officers, smaller numbers, 50 officers, and ticket after ticket after ticket. I was charged with not wearing a mask during my
0: preaching. Uh, Gentlemen, Pastor Tomer, Pastor Steele, uh, do you guys have anything you'd, you'd like to ask Pastor Arthur from what he's said so far?
3: Well, I would, I would add that this would be something that the rest of the clergy, not only in, uh, perhaps in Canada, but in the United States, who have been asleep at the wheel, uh, should be learning lessons from this in the sense of we, we have this tendency in the church to sit back and say, well, that'll never happen. You know, these kinds of things will never happen. Um, you know, that, that was being said over and over and over again a few years ago with regard to gay marriage. It's been said with regard to all kinds of different things. And sure enough, it happens. The the radical left continues to whittle away at everything godly. And here we have now, point of fact, the brown shirts being sent out to do what it is that they do. Um, so any anyone who's sitting on the sidelines and not willing to get in the game and play the game hard it, it should be uh, well aware by what has happened to uh, brother artur that it's happening don't say it won't because it will
0: yeah yeah a uh, pet do you have any comments
1: yeah first of all brother artur god bless you uh we are praying for you and we completely support you we want you to know that you are loved uh obviously all over the world by the response that you're getting but uh, we want you to know that you have friends in Michigan. So, thank we're you with very you. much.
2: Thank you very much.
1: And yeah, I want to echo what our brother just said. In the West, we have not really experienced uh, persecution to any serious degree, and so we're really not um, we're really not used to it. And I'm not sure that the church is prepared for it. And so we've got our eye on you, brother Arthur. You're an example for us. Because this is coming, and you know when um, Brother Ed showed the video of you forcing those folks out of your church, he showed it to me after service on Sunday at church, and he can account that I said to him after watching the video, I assure you that what we just saw was a man who has seen this kind of thing before. Um, and, I, and I knew that you were probably from another country, somewhere in, in Europe probably, um, because you would be used to what this is you would recognize what's happening and i think that as our brother said we are a bit asleep at the wheel in that we are too quick to conform and go along with whatever is happening as if it was normal and um, i wonder if you could elaborate a little bit on you know where you come from and what you've seen because we need to, to understand that this is not normal. And for us to simply comply with these impositions and to continue giving away the farm, uh, you know, acre by acre, um, is one day going to result in everything is gone. So maybe you could elaborate a little bit on where you've come from, what you've seen, and how it is you recognize what's happening.
2: Yes, you're absolutely right. I grew up behind the Iron Curtain. I grew up under the boots of the Soviets in Poland, where the country was taken over by communism and socialism. I grew up also in a country that was attacked number of times, many times through the history. And of course, the recent one, 1939, by the fascists, by the Nazis and communists on other sides. Poland was divided in 1939 and, of course, we know what happened, the rapes, the pillaging, the murder, the concentration camps uh, happening all over the place. And, you know, just an example, out of a million people, Warsaw, capital city of Poland at that time, only 5,000 people were left in the city. That just should give you an, an idea, an understanding uh, what happened to the Polish people. Poland was completely destroyed, raped, and many people, millions of Poles end up in a concentration camps or shot in the head. So I grew up hearing those stories from my grandparents and the older generation over and over again. You know, they were always saying, do not forget, do not forget about what happened, because if you forget, then another generation is going to repeat the same mistakes. And here we are today, also growing up under communist dictatorship, because Poland was never free. When there was a liberation of Europe, Poland was never liberated. Poland was given to the Russians, and in 1945, the Russian Communist Party took over Poland and subdued every opposition, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Poles were murdered, slaughtered. And what's interesting is that during that time, uh, the middle class was completely eliminated. It looks like the middle class is always a threat to any totalitarian dictatorship. Those are people that are well-traveled, They are well-educated, they know history, and they need to go first. The elimination of the middle class, the opposition, and also small and medium-sized businesses. Under communism, you were not allowed to really have a business. Everything was done by bribes, and everything was owned by the state. You couldn't possibly own anything, any form of production. Everything was the state. And, of course, that created enormous amounts of corruption. Everything was under the table, created enormous, huge, never ending lineups. Uh, to this day, I remember when my mom was sending me to buy a loaf of bread and you could only buy one and you had to stand hours and hours in a huge lineup just to, to buy a loaf of bread. I remember the lineups when there was a rumor, the lineups were created by rumors. Someone said, oh, coffee's coming. We don't know when, it can be next week, but coffee is coming. So the lineup started to uh, be formed outside of the store because there was a rumor that something is coming. And sometimes people were standing three days, day and night, just to buy one kilo of coffee. Saying, if one kilo of sugar was allocated for your family, that said, you couldn't buy more. The government was telling how much and where and what and how much. Every aspect of your life was controlled and manipulated. The mainstream media was completely uh, a state. The state was telling you what you are to hear, what you are to believe. They were telling you about history. They manipulated, they twisted history. For example, when I was growing up, in our history classes, they were commanded to teach us that Stalin was our greatest liberator and they were telling us kids to call him Diedushka Stalin, which means Grandpa Stalin. Uh, At every aspect, all the time, we were told lie after lie after lie. If you were caught listening to a radio from Europe, you were tortured, beaten, arrested, thrown in jail just for listening to another source of information. If you look what's happening right now, it's an identical, identical approach: censorship, deplatforming, uh, right movements, Christians, voices, uh, patriots, censorship, deplatforming, or, or ridiculing and attacking, calling us, calling us fascists, calling us white supremacists, calling us racists, all kinds of different things that the left is using. And if we, they cannot get rid of us, And we have rallies and protests, they're sending their brown shirts out of Hitler, which is Antifa and BLM. The purpose for that is very clear and, and very straightforward. What they want is they want to create terror, fear. They are telling you you cannot go out and you cannot express your views. Your views are unacceptable. And if you dare to do that, we will beat you up. We will destroy your business. We will burn the cab car. We will clap you to death. We will shoot you dead because you're not allowed to express another view than the state view. And this is happening all over the world, but particularly heart is here in canada right now they're coming with the law that they want to censor censorship entire internet right now the minister came forward with an idea of censorship that everything will be uh, completely uh, controlled by the state the state is going to tell us what we can listen to what we can watch etc i grew up in a country like this i grew up under the boots of the soviets i've seen the the guns machine guns i've seen the police torturing people beating them up i've seen that people had absolutely no rights 50000 communists were ruling over 36 million poles and i also saw another remarkable thing I saw 1981. And if you know the history, 1981 is a very peculiar year because that's the year when solidarity movement under the leadership of Leg Valenza took to the streets and they polls the 36 millions that were ruled by 50,000 communists, the 36 slaves by the state finally decided we're not your slaves we're not going to put up with this anymore and they took it to the streets the answer from the government was brutal they took the tanks and i've seen that with my own eyes they took tanks on the streets soldiers machine guns people were beaten on the streets tortured arrested by the tens of thousands it was not just few here and there tens of thousands of people were arrested and tortured and every time you were arrested you were always tortured you were always beaten and that was the tactics of of the police and the soldiers and of course some were clapped to death and some were shot to death however they won their rights they want their freedom a few years later poland became the best democracy on earth and the berlin war uh, crumbled down and the iron curtain was broken and we got our freedom back so i grew up in a country that first of all, I've heard from my grandparents about the Nazis and I've seen what the communists, the KGB, are doing. So when I see what is happening right now, everything in me is boiling, everything is in me is rising up because I just want to yell at the top of my voice, This is a repetition of history, this is happening again. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Do you see how they behave? It's not about your health. It's not about wear a mask and this and that. This is about submission. The state is telling you submit or else. When you ask why, they say it doesn't matter. We tell you to do it. You say the statistics and the data is not proving the rhetorics you're giving us. They said you're a conspiracy theorist. You're a liar. You're this and you're that. When the doctors are speaking up, they are censored and they're deplatformed. the same tactics that the fascists used and the communists used and they still are using the same tactics in china saudi arabia the arabic islamic nations and russia as well actually let me just tell you something i believe right now that russia is freer than the western democracy and i really mean it but what happened after the first video I thought that uh, this craziness is going to go away. And you got to remember, what do I want to do? I'm not starting a revolt. I'm not trying to blow houses and cars and, you know, uh, shoot down uh, politicians. I just want to worship my God. I just want to pray for people. I just want to feed the poor. I want to do good for the community, not evil. And I just want to be left alone. Remember when... Just a few years ago, the government was telling us the separation between the church and the state. You remember that time?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? But look at when everything is reversed right now, and we say, well, you wanted the separation between the state and the church, but now your state is infringing on our church. So you can have both ways, but you see, right now,
0: they don't care.
2: They absolutely do not care about the law and order.
0: So. Uh, Pastor Arthur, I see you as a, a you know, the term canary in the mine, right? The the actually leading indicator of what to expect. We're seeing the, the persecution of the church in Canada. It's just right across the border from the United States. It's not like this is taking place in some, you know, in North Korea. This is a, a Western civilization with similar roots to the United States, there's something you said that really surprised me, though. It's it's funny how the times change. But then when you tell me you have a homosexual Muslim mayor, I just didn't think they, they tolerated uh, homosexuality.
2: No, of course, we know that they throw them off their high rises of their building. It's against the Quran against sharia law but in canada everything is acceptable everything goes i mean that's the crazy part that those people can do whatever they want it's like a mixing of the demons mixing of the spirits that work together to destroy judeo-christian values that's how i see it they align themselves those demons they've aligned themselves together to destroy the light so the darkness is coming together against the light you know, but going back to the video, I thought that the international attention of the first one, the international attention of them uh, doing what they did, uh, barging into the church illegally, uh, breaking two criminal codes, uh, section 176 of criminal code of Canada, five years jail time for interrupting a church service and interrupting clergymen and trespassing on top of that where they were not allowed to come in they knew they're not welcomed and not allowed to come they did it anyway with their guns with their tasers with their uniforms just like a muscle for mafia after that video that i've heard over a billion people watched and was the number one video during the eastern weekend i thought that they're going to just leave me be i don't want to fight you i'm not looking for a fight i just want to be left alone three weeks later They're coming back. They're coming back, of course, unannounced. I didn't know they're coming back. No one through all of this time, no one from authorities contacted me officially. No one said, what is their plan? What they are going to do? No one gave me a chance to defend myself in a court of law. And they showed up. They showed up again during the church service. They wanted to walk in. We stopped them at the door. I didn't open the door. I went outside and behold, there is a SWAT team. Can you imagine those people were assisted by a SWAT team, a gang suppression team, about dozen of them. There were more waiting outside, left and right that the camera didn't catch. There was about dozen of them. There were uh, regular police officers and there was a SWAT team. And of course they were recording me. They had even a unit, a special unit with a camera and pictures to record the conversation and to record what was uh, happening i was absolutely shocked
0: pastor toma yeah ed i have to
3: bow out of the call here soon but i, I just wanted to make a couple of quick observations again uh, as patrick had said before we are praying uh, for you artur you can uh, be assured of that and then second of all too you'll you'll notice some of the things that he has described which are very very familiar to history and again, if we're sitting on the sidelines, uh, not paying attention to these things, we're going to miss it. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of folks would look at uh, the footprints of tyranny being things like uh, conforming behavior and, and all those kinds of things. But in the end, what Artur has described is the keynote characteristic of the most dangerous dangerous tyrannies in the history of the world. And that is the tyrant who prevents alternate thought is the one who rises to become the most dangerous. And, and another thing that um, he has said is that uh, he describes the inevitable result of a radical individualized society. When you are free to do and be and say anything that you want without consequence, um, what eventually happens, again if you're observing history, what eventually happens is somebody rises to the most powerful position uh, and assumes that role of the tyrant. And, and what you're seeing that, uh, that inevitable result happening in Canada. And unfortunately, uh, for a godly man such as Artur, who escaped this uh, in his youth and, and in his uh, early years, has somehow landed in the free West where this is now taking root, and we are completely blind to it. So uh, again, uh, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear listen, uh, pay attention. Uh, And uh, in the meantime, I, again, I have to bow out. I appreciate you letting me uh, participate in the call. Arturo, it was a pleasure to meet you. Patrick, great seeing you and talking with you.
0: Before you go, go, Chris. Yes, amen. I'm sorry. I hate to interrupt prayer. Uh, Chris, you had said something about, you know, radical individualism. And You know, I mean, our libertarian friends listening to this go, what's wrong with that? But are you thinking in terms of free of moral restraint? Basically, I I, yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. I'm suggesting that the documents that this this country is founded on, uh, we, we take that term freedom and we sort of twist it around to mean anything that we want, as though we are free to do and say and be just about anything that we would prefer to be. Uh, And what you're talking about is an undercutting or actually getting rid of the center, uh, the center of the uh, gravity for these documents. Because you're free to uh, do this or that doesn't mean that you should and these documents understand that. But uh, people are getting rid of that moral center. They're getting rid of that Judeo-Christian center to these governing documents. And now we're finding America to be the most free place on the planet. People are, you know, if you want to be a man, if you're a woman, you can be a man. If you want to be, you know, the other way around, you can. I, I know of a six. I know a, a gentleman in Canada who decided he wanted to be a six-year-old girl, and he he uh, was adopted by a family, I think, in England or something like that. Some guy down in Texas married his IBM computer. I mean, I mean, where does it end? Um, where does it end? In, in the end, one particular ideology is going to rise to the top and is going to govern all the rest. That's the cycle of this mess. Uh, and unfortunately, we're seeing the brown shirts uh, ha- take that role uh, in uh, Canada right now and oppress our brother, Artur. So.
0: All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Pastor Toma. We appreciate it, and we'll be talking to you again soon. And folks, come back after the break. Welcome back to the second half of Your American Heritage. We're interviewing Pastor Arthur Palowski of Calgary, Alberta, the pastor who famously chased the police out of his church and who's now facing a court order to shut him down. And as I said, he's either today preaching in his pulpit at this moment or he's in jail, and we'll have to discover that later. And we want to pray that God would protect him right now. Father, please help Pastor Palowski. So I am joined by Pastor Sean Todd of the Intersection Radio Show and the Rock and Rev and uh, Patrick Steele of Ignite Church and we're continuing the conversation. So uh Pastor Arthur you told me previously that the the authorities could not come in and make an arrest during a church service that that was a, a violation of the law and I just read earlier today, about three, four hours ago, that there was a, and I don't understand the concept, secret court order involving you. Do you want to describe that and 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 your reaction, your intended reaction to it?
2: Yeah, so what happened a few weeks later, they came back to the church and they wanted to move in again, but this time with the assistance of SWAT team, the gang suppression team. And some other police officers and again I met them at the door this time the door was locked and we have a person that is manding the door and letting people in but not Nazis and communist dictators they're not uh, welcome to come at this moment unless they want to take down their guns and their uniforms and they want to come and worship with us then of course they're welcome to do so. So what happened was I was presented with a document at the door from the health inspector. And this lady uh, said that there is a court that I have to obey by and let them in to come. So the court document is very straightforward, actually. And it's shocking because it was obtained in secret. My lawyer was not aware of them going to the court trying to get this court order i was never notified we never had a chance to respond to the application it was uh, it's a total lawlessness they're using the muscle of the courts right now and they're doing this in secret without informing the other side which is me the court order was signed and listen to this because you can't make this stuff up i mean even if you're writing a movie script i don't think the people would be Uh, putting this kind of craziness in the script. The the court order was signed by David Gates. David Gates, the judge in the city of Calgary, I don't know if that's a family of Bill Gates, but I would not be surprised because there is actually evidence right now that I'm uh, Googling up and I'm trying to find more about this judge that he has been involved in some crazy stuff and uh, it could be that this is a family of uh, Bill Gates, but David Gates, the judge in the city of Calgary, signs this order, order, and here is what it says. It demands me, it says that anyone within the church authority has to allow the executive officer to enter the church uh, building from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., pretty much all day, any day, Any day and any time they wish to interrupt and harass, intimidate parishioners while they're praying and worshiping God. They can do that now, the judge says, any time of the day from 8 to 8 and any day of the week. Also, he is saying that if I will not open the doors, I can be arrested. And here is a very interesting part of what this judge is saying law enforcement is authorized to do anything necessary to carry out the arrest including the use of as much reasonable force as may be necessary to make the arrest and listen to this and without warrant to enter any place without a warrant now they can enter any place they wish your house your church your synagogue, you have absolutely zero protection of the law right now. You have no rights. Just like during the time I grew up under the communist dictatorship, people had no rights, zero rights. You had absolutely no rights whatsoever. The police could do to you whatever they wanted, and they murdered people. They murdered clergymen before. They dragged them from their homes, and they were never to be found out. This is nothing new. The Gestapo did the same thing. You had absolutely no human rights. You had no civil rights. You had no protection of the Constitution. And let me add something to you, because you're Americans, and I hear a lots of Americans talking about Constitution. We have our rights. We have our Constitution. Let me remind you something. The Poland, all this time, under the boots of the Soviets, we had a Constitution. All of that time, we had the highest law of the land was the constitution. However, tyrants never respect human rights. Dictators don't care about your constitution. Tyrants do whatever they want, despite your rights and your constitution. Hitler was viewed as God. And right now, those chief medical officers, whatever we want to call them, your Fauci devil or our tom a guy that is dressing like a woman i don't know if you know our chief executive officer in ontario is a man dressed like a woman he is the chief he's the top chief medical officer the transgender man okay so those are the people that are ruling over us right now they're like gods whatever they say it goes if they want to lock you up they will lock you up because they are using their emergency powers to lock you up if they want to put uh, border patrols which we have right now in quebec and in ontario where police are stopping people in the middle of the road you cannot go to the province and you cannot come out of the province even though this is one of our fundamental rights mobility rights i cannot in my own country right now i cannot go to ontario which is my country it's part of my country i cannot do that because it's against the law i cannot go to quebec because there are roadblocks by the police, preventing me. And if I go, if I will still walk through that line that they set up, I will be immediately arrested. So let's continue with this order. They can come to any place without warrant. They can enter any place where, on reasonable grounds, law enforcement believes that the offending person may be found and this is the order signed by justice of the court of queen's bench of alberta which is judge david gates that's absolutely shocking shocking because what it says right now that law and order doesn't exist anymore in this country we have entered an era of lawlessness who has more guns, who has more muscle, wins. That's why they're not touching us when we have those protests, because it's thousand, two thousand, three thousand 2,000, 3,000 of us, so we have more muscle. And they're afraid of the masses because people are on the edge. People want to fight. I mean, I hear left and right that people are so upset. They want to fight. They want to fight the police. And, of course, we know that this is not the answer. We know that we have to do it Martin Luther King Jr. style, peaceful disobedience, civil rights movement, that the violence is, is never an answer. However, people are, they don't know what to do. They are leaderless, and they are afraid. They're terrified. They don't know what to do.
0: May I ask... What do you intend to do? You have services on Saturday, and um, so you are faced with a decision tomorrow as to exactly how you're going to respond to this court order. Given what's happened to Pastor Coates recently, um, I'm surprised they're not putting a fence around your church already like they did his church. But what do you intend to do tomorrow?
2: Well, uh, if they put the fence around the church, I'm going to do church In walmart i'm going to do church in parking lots i'm going to do church i'm not stopping doing church i'm doing church five times a week you see that's what people don't understand they're cracking on us inside the building but i'm doing church four times a week on the streets in front of city hall so i will just find another place maybe mayor's house outside i'll go to mayor's house outside and i'll do a church service right there in his face I will go to a chief of police house outside and I will do a church in front of his windows for his kids to see what a horrible evil man he has become. Instead of serve and protect, he is now oppressed and harassed. So what I'm going to do tomorrow, I'm going to open the church and I'm going to have a church service tomorrow, 930. If you're in Calgary area, come, come and join us. And uh, we're going to have um, amazing time with our God. We're going to praise him (laughs) we're going to sing praises to him we're going to preach we're going to pray we're going to have church we're going to do what we always do and we hopefully hopefully we're going to do it without interference of the wannabe tyrants and dictators but if they will show up i guess they will show up and they will do what they're conscience and their heart is dictating them to do because this stuff that I hear left and right I'm just following orders is not going to fly with God we've heard that before Uh Nuremberg trial that's what those people were saying I was just following orders it's not me it was the Hitler it was the Goebbels it was it was this guy It was that guy however the truth is that you have a, a choice to make if you're an officer of the law obey the law uphold the constitution uphold the charter rights and freedoms and if they force you to break that oath quit your job or allow them to fire you what an honor to suffer for doing good instead you have a choice to be a villain to be a wicked man to be evil and in the end of the day evil people will end up in hell and god will find you will find you guilty when you stand before the judge that is not corruptible judge judge that doesn't take the bribes and you will be accountable for what you did and for what you said i feel sorry for many of those people i pity those villains because they think that they are the kings in the castle but they are kings of a broken castle a castle that is going to turn into dust and they're going to face they're going to face my god and they're going to end up in hell forever and ever is it worth it to have five shekels of silver or 30 shekels of silver and lose your own soul?
0: Yes, exactly, what profiteth the man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Pastor Todd, you've been really quiet. Uh, Do you have any questions or comments for Pastor Arthur?
4: Um, No, sorry, I was a little late because I was having technical difficulties coming in, but just wanna say, Pastor Arthur, that we support you 100%. We are praying here in America we realize that we are one step behind you in Canada um, with the suspension of our liberties that we saw in the name of safety. Uh, Michigan, we had a particularly uh, um, robust governor who was um, you know, suspending many of our liberties, and we understand that our, our right to worship is also at threat. And we've, we have maintained in our hearts that if we pass the same path that you've passed, we're going to do the same thing, that... Uh, God's law supersedes human law. And when he tells us to gather together in worship as the people of God, as the church, that no one has the right to take that away from us. So we stand with you and we pray for you. And uh, we also understand that we stand hanging in the balance as well.
0: You know, yes. and, and Pastor Sean, I, as you remember, when the lockdown happened here, something Lake global professor William Wagner and uh, attorney David Coleman, uh, friends of the show, they took uh, Whitmer to federal court and she folded like a cheap suit and uh, immediately gave us our... our Gave us, oh my goodness. Stopped persecuting us for having church. Let's put it that way because there's nothing she can give us. She can just stop That's her right. own activity, okay? I don't want to give these people any authority. God hasn't given them. And so uh, the church I was in and, and I have a good friend, and he was the pastor, is the pastor, but he did not want to open, and I wanted to make a stand. I felt we should make a stand as Christians and not, not concede that authority to the state. And uh, he was being cautious, and so I decided to find a church that uh, would uh, allow me to worship, and I because of your radio show, The uh, the Rock and Rub, The Intersection, uh, I thought to find you and call you, and I think you might remember the first two questions I had for you. One, can I carry in your church? And two, do I have to wear a mask? And uh, the answer was uh, no. I mean, yes and no. So uh, I've been there since, and I, I, I just appreciate that. Unfortunately, you know, I-, I see people at other churches walking out with masks on, walking in with masks on, uh, limited seating, can't can't sing to the Lord, can't shout and worship, can't sit close to each other. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. You were going to say something, Pastor Arthur.
2: Oh, I would join the same church. My goodness. I wish we had churches like this in Canada where I would be able to carry on and uh, not carry on. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: wow. the focus... Part of the focus of this show has been, you know, it's called Your American Heritage, and part of our American heritage is our freedoms. But since they've been abrogated so much, I've, I like to reflect back on what they were, what they should be, and also how we as, as citizens, and particularly Christian citizens, how we should react to this coming persecution. And so I like to ask pastors such as yourself like how will you behave? What will we, what should we do? What sh- leadership should the pastors show in the churches for the the behavior of their church members. And and frankly I feel that even if you don't become a Christian, you ought to join a church just because you're going to be with like-minded freedom-loving people and then we'll get a chance to preach and convert you. But that's that's just me. I think I think churches are the last resistance and going to be the last resistance to this this uh, persecution but back to you sir Pastor Arthur
2: so here is here is my take on, on the whole situation I am absolutely shocked by the response of the so-called clergyman because historically speaking, biblically speaking theologically whatever you want to look at this the church was always the first responders we were always the essential services during the time of conflict during the time of black plague during the time of leprosy it was the clergymen and the nuns that were taking care of those dying people and many of them died because they were taking care of the people that had diseases and all kinds of different things and they were okay with that they were willing to die to save lives. They were willing to die to ease the pain of another human being. It's just like Jesus said, there is no greater love than the one that lays down his life for a friend, for another human being, for another creation that God created in his image for another human being. And historically speaking, for thousands of years, that's that's what the clergymen were doing. I mean, there was corruption, of course, but... Most of the time, the clergymen were always the first responders and the essential services. The churches were open for the people. The churches were sanctuary, places, places where people could come and hide. During the Second War, churches were always used for a refuge for the Jewish people. When the Nazis were murdering them left and right, the priests and the pastors and the nuns were hiding them, smuggling them, feeding them protecting them, and many, many thousands, tens of thousands of clergymen were murdered by the Nazis and the communists for doing that crime. Right now, a virus comes, and Jesus says in his word, if there's anyone sick among you, lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and pray. So virus comes. And the government says, you cannot pray for people. You cannot touch them. You have to physically distance yourself from those people. So we have a choice as Christians to obey the government or to obey God. And God says in his word, lay hands on the sick. So what I'm going to do? Am I going to disregard the commandments of God? And let me add to this, that Jesus says, if you love me. So now the question is to you, to everyone that is listening to this. Do you love Jesus? I mean, that's how simple it is. Jesus doesn't complicate things. He actually brought everything, you know, he made it very easy. Either you are with me or against me. Either you receive me or you reject me. And if you receive me, you're not condemned. If you reject me, you're condemned already. People don't preach like this anymore. Yeah. You have made your choice, heaven or hell. Choose it this day whom you're going to serve, life or death. I mean, that's how simple God made it for a, a man. You don't have to be very smart to understand what God wants us to do. He says, obey. Because if you don't obey, rebellion is like a spirit of divination. If you're not obeying God, you're practicing witchcraft. And that's the word of God. You're practicing witch- witchcraft. So going back to the commandments of God, the government says one thing. God says totally opposite thing. Now you're in the middle. What are you going to do? Clergymen chose, they chose to obey the government. When they chose to obey the government now they're in open rebellion towards god god says in his word do not forsake the gatherings of the saints do not do not forsake the gatherings of the saints that's the commandment of god he wants us to meet the government doesn't want us to meet again you're in the middle and you have a choice either you're going to obey your master the devil because the government is representing the enemy right now? Or are you going to represent God? Because every man, I don't care who you are. If you are in contradiction to the word of God, you're working for the enemy. I don't care what is your reasoning. If you are in contradiction to the word of God, you're now working for the enemy. You're forwarding the enemy's purpose. We have to go back to the word of God. And the word of God is very clear. Lay hands on the sick. Period. Full stop. God lives in the worship of his people. He wants us to worship him. Full stop. No question about it. I don't want you to add anything to it. I am to worship my God with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my spirit, with all my soul, with all my body, with everything, with all my mind. I am to worship him. And I am to pray for people that need prayer. I don't care what you're coming to me with. I don't care what is your disease. I don't care what's your problem. I am to pray for you. You came to me and I am, I am obliged to lay hands on you and to pray for your problems. And I'm not the healer and I'm not the savior. But I know the healer and I know the savior. My job is to obey. And God's job is to do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to heal you, he will heal you. If he doesn't want to heal you for whatever reason, that's not my business. My business is to pray. My business as a clergyman is to open the church and allow people to come in into the church if they need help. The job of a shepherd, and Jesus says that the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. That's what Jesus says. A true shepherd. How do you know it's true? Because he's willing to pay the price. These days, Christians don't want to pay the price. They don't want to pay anything. They want shallow, fast-food Christianity. That's what they want. They want a shallow, fast-food Christianity. Give me a sermon in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It's too long. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to listen to the preaching. They want everything fast, and they want it now. And they think that going to the church is doing God a service, a favor. I always say to our parishioners, remember this, that Christianity has fallen, right now because the christians are coming to the church and they are telling god give me give me give me give me i want more i want this give me this give me that answer this answer that we're putting a tunny and we want the chocolate bar to come out but god let me finish god wants us to come to him with an attitude like this lord you have done everything for me you've died for me you raised me from the dead you, you healed me. By your stripes were healed. You have prepared a paradise for me. You're going to give me new Jerusalem. New heaven. New earth. Everything I need you have given it to me. Lord here I am today. What I can do for you. What I can do for you today. That's the attitude that is missing right now in the church. We go to church because we think we give God some kind of a, a favor. And we want, want this and this and this. Go to church and touch the heart of God and ask him, Lord, what I can do for you? Because right now, God is walking around the earth and he's looking whom he may send. We gotta be like that prophet of wolves. Here I am, Lord, use me. So, true shepherds, true shepherds are willing to pay the price and they will fight the wolves and they will fight the hyenas off. They will protect the sheep. Why? Because God has given us two things. He has given us his stuff and he has given us his stick. We have the word of God, which is a double-edged sword. We have his authority. We have his name. And we can say, in the name of the king, open the door. And now, instead of using our authority and using what God has given it to us and standing on guard for thee, like we have in our Canadian anthem, we have abandoned the sheep. We run away. We are like fake fake shepherds hired guns i call them and they're nowhere to be found except zoom chats like cowards and the bible says in revelations that cowardly fearful will not inherit the kingdom of god they are not going to make it to the kingdom of god because they have left god's people to be devoured by wolves and by hyenas so we got to go back to the basics, to the book of Acts, chapter 4 and chapter 5. We must obey God rather than men.
0: Excellent. Pastor Patrick, you're a bit of a firebrand. Do you got any commentary on that?
1: Well, yeah, I'm glad to hear that we're moving in this direction with the conversation. You know, I care about the culture and I care about the Constitution, but we're talking to a pastor right now who is being persecuted. So, you know, our focus has to be on the church. And what is the church going to do? First of all, Pastor Arthur, I love your emphasis on your flock. You know, often we hear a lot of pastors talk about their occupation, their job, their building, their attendance, their assets, all of those things. It's refreshing to hear a pastor actually make reference to his care for his flock. The Bible says to shepherd the flock of God. And that's our first responsibility as under shepherds, under Christ. So Applause to you on that. Thank you. But moving along the subject of how others have responded to what you're doing, in your last interview with Brother Ed, I heard you mention that your fellow pastors in Canada weren't really showing you the support that I would want to hear that they should show you. And that was disappointing to me, not shocking, I suppose, but disappointing. And um, on Sunday, we'll be preaching, actually, it's got to be God's providence from Romans 13. And I wondered if you could contribute a little insight, number one, because I'll probably quote you from the pulpit, Hmm. but also because I'm certain that, you know, those who might disagree with you, pastors, I mean, might suggest that you're out of order, for not handling Romans 13 let's say and passages like it appropriately I'll, I'll read it for those who don't know uh, in verse 1 it says let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God so then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command now I I certainly know why you're doing what you're doing and how that is biblically justifiable but maybe you could elaborate for those who might be confused on that, why you are justified in handling the situation the way you are uh, in the face of scriptures like that?
2: Well, first of all, this is a scripture that is completely taken out of context, misunderstood, abused. I mean, you can throw whatever you want after that. I mean, people have absolutely That's very interesting. I just received emergency alert, Alberta emergency alert, public health alert issued by government of Alberta. New COVID-19 restrictions are now in effect for hotspot regions across Alberta. And uh, (laughs) it says, please follow the rules, get vaccinated. Well, there's no vaccine. were you able to hear what i was saying
0: yes 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 i you were talking about romans and then you interrupted yourself because i couldn't hear you while you were getting the alert i assume on your phone so that was
2: a health health alert from the government of alberta telling us that there are new restrictions in place and that we have to follow them or else and we have to get vaccinated so um that's that was the alert that stopped the whole thing just you see they're sending this to every telephone in the country i mean this is unbelievable the amount of control of information we are getting i think stalin and hitler would love to live during our times with the level of misinformation disinformation and censorship it's unbelievable going back to the romans 13 um Like I said, people absolutely do not understand that portion of the scripture. You cannot just take a little verse out of the entire Bible. You have to read the Bible from the beginning to the end to understand the heart of God. Once God said to me that people are making a huge mistake by separating the old from the new and the new from the old. In other words, they say, well, that's the Old Testament. Others will say, oh, that's just the New Testament. You have those two fractions. And God spoke to me. He said that I only have one book, one testament, one Bible. There's one love letter to humans, to us, and that's the entire Bible. He said to me that the Old Testament is the contract and the New Testament is the annex to that contract which both are, are uh, forming the contract that god has with us a testament if you will a legal document that was signed by his own blood but anyway going back to the romans 13 we have to establish few things what is he talking about he's talking about authority as a structure he's talking about hierarchy that he ordained in other words in god's kingdom and we have been created in his image And we are the kings, let's say, Adam was to be the ruler, a king in this domain, because we have God, that he's the ruler over universe, over everything, but we were to be kings over this realm, over over the earth. And he said that very clearly in the the beginning of the Bible, when he says uh, that you are to have dominion, right? Dominion, to be like a king over everything, this and this and this and animals and everything. So going back to the Romans 13, God is saying to us that we are to subject ourselves to authority because structure, hierarchy, authority is from God. Chaos is from the devil. So God is saying that there is an established system in place and we are to follow that system. There are certain people that are appointed over us and for what purpose and when you continue reading romans 13 you will find out what is the purpose of those authorities is to do good for those that do good in other mm-hmm. words he continues and he says that the authority is not for those that do good they are not against those that do good they are to protect those that do good they are against those that do evil so if you do good you have nothing to fear anything from the authorities because you're doing good since when preaching the gospel feeding the poor taking care of the orphans and the widows congregating singing praying is something evil so we know cannot be evil because god ordained this god commands us to do this and we know that god will not command us to do anything that is evil and holy. he's a holy god he tells you go and feed the poor he tells you go and pray and that's a holy thing that's a good thing to do so you have nothing to worry about he's saying the authorities will have nothing on you because you're not doing evil you will be actually protected by them however People misunderstand the scripture and they think that every man in authority is from God. And that's the biggest problem that we see in Christianity. They associate hierarchy, order, structure with the man that they see in front of them without asking God a question. Is this man appointed by you? Or men appointed them, or they themselves appointed to rule over other men. Who is behind this man? Is it the devil or it's God? I'll prove it to you by scripture. Go to Hosea 8, verse 1 to 4. Hosea 8, from from verse 1 to 4, it says, You have appointed princes that I do not approve, and rulers. That I do not want. I'm quoting from my head. I, I don't have the Bible open. So, uh-huh. so, so, sit, think about it. Just think about it for a second. God in Hosea, chapter eight, one to four. You can read it yourself and get the different, uh, different, uh, you know, um, different, you know, different, you know, how translation, you say
0: translation, translation. Yeah. There
2: you go. You know, different translation, but all of them are very, very similar. If you go to Greek, if you go to Hebrew, if you go to English, Old English, King James, a very similar similar understanding, a very similar uh, interpretation of that that quote here. It says that certain people are appointed in places of authority, but God had nothing to do with that. In other words, God is saying to you and me, That because you are sinful and because people are greedy and evil and whatever they have the ambitions, that sometimes you can appoint a ruler over you that God disapproves. That God never wanted you to have that kind of a ruler. That God said, I was not consulted in getting this man elected. You didn't ask me. And if you would ask me, I would tell you, I don't want this guy. Why I don't want this guy? Because he's an evil man. I don't want this guy because he's going to abuse his power. I don't want this guy because he's going to do this and this and this. I want a godly man to rule over people. Why? Because when a godly man rules over people, then the nations rejoice. Now, let's go to Adolf Hitler. Was Adolf Hitler a man after God's own heart appointed by God himself to rule over the German people? If you say yes, then you're saying that God was responsible for murdering all those 30, 20, 30, 40 million people. And that was his choice. That was his will. Therefore, God would be evil because he was not um, doing a judgment on the polls on other people. This guy was just, he he went out as crazy guy. However, God can use an evil man. God can use him. To do judgment over other nations. Because in the end of the day. He's, he, here's how he explained it to me. He says you spend too much time. You spend too much time. On focusing on the devil. You give him too much credit. In other words. You're focusing on the devil. And you're elevating him to a position. Of some kind of a kingship. But God said. "By I want you to remember. The devil is just a creation. He is not the creator. There is no a fight between jesus and the devil right now there is no arm wrestling with devil and jesus jesus the creator and the devil is just a creation it's like saying that you have a wrestling match with an ounce this dude is only alive because my god is allowing him to be alive the devil only lives to fulfill god's prophecies that's it he's only out there to and he's, he's only allowed because in the end of the day you gotta remember that god allows him only to what god wants him to do he cannot do anything he couldn't kill he couldn't kill anyone unless god approved it he couldn't touch anyone so finishing up with um, with the uh, romans 13 if you're doing god's will you don't have to uh, he, uh, you know, you don't have to fear authorities you will be protected by authorities unless the authorities are from the pit of hell and they're evil when they're evil Then you have a choice. Either you are obey evil government. I'll give you an example. During the Nazi era, the Nazis made up laws saying that you are to give up the Jews. You are to tell them where the Jews are hiding. Would you do it? That's the law. The law of the land was very clear. Would you give up the Jewish people? And would you say to the SS or the Gestapo, the knock at your door? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Jews are next door. By the way, officer, they're right there. Hiding next door, can you please take them? Okay, I'm a good citizen, I'm obeying the law of the land, and that's what the law of the land is. You're the rulers, I am to obey. Romans 13 says, I am to obey, so I'm obeying. Jews are hiding right there. Would you do it? Was Rahab, the prostitute, guilty of a lie when she hid the spies? Was she guilty of a lie? Was she sinning? Or rather, we know that she was counted as righteous because she saved. God's children so you have to understand that rulers we are to obey those that are obeying God the moment the rulers are disobeying the law of God then you have only one choice and one choice only to disobey either God or to disobey the rulers and that's the Romans 13 and people have a hard time to understand that which is beyond me
4: yes
1: We can't hear you. We lost your audio, Ed.
0: Oh, I put it on mute because there were background noises. I'll edit me out even though you couldn't hear me. I'll edit out my silence. So uh, having said that, we have to close now because I'm going to have to do a lot of editing. I'm going to have to take out, I'm going to have to pick roughly 8 to 10 minutes out of everything that's just gone down to fit it into an hour-long show with 3 of commercials. That's, I'm going to find this hard. But what I'd like is I'd like uh, Pastor Sean to uh, pray for Pastor Arthur and pray for our situation right now if you wouldn't close us
4: out. Mm -hmm. Father God, we thank you that we are brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe, no matter where we live. We are one family and Lord, you said that we are Lord to pray for those brothers and to, to treat ourselves as being in the same position as them. And we pray for Pastor Arthur. Thank you for his courage. Thank you that he is continuing to be courageous. Father God, we know that America is right behind Canada in many ways and in many steps and in many desires of wicked men. But Lord, we stand together in faith, God, believing that when we stand for you, God, that your blessings flow, God, that your miraculous power flows. God, start a revival in Canada through this situation, Lord God. Let many become encouraged to stand up and to say no to tyranny and say yes the gospel, Lord Jesus. Let the gospel find an effectual door through the situation, Lord. And Father God, we pray that tomorrow's services are peaceful, that they're calm, and that worship is uninterrupted, Lord God. Put a hedge of protection, a wall of fire, angels, whatever you must do, Lord God, to protect Pastor Arthur and his congregation. And we stand with him, God, in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you.